many times in my life I have wanted um, certainty about a particular thing, either a decision that I was making, choice that um, I had to make, um, and it, it, it can be as mundane as, as something you're purchasing or a big life decision or something that you're doing. Like, should I buy this car or buy that car or just repair the one that I own, right? You know, I, I want some certainty around that one. Um, should I pursue this job or should I pursue that job? Um, should I get chips and queso or chips and salsa? Why not both? right? Chocolate or vanilla, right? You know, big decisions. You want some certainty, man. It's important to have those things. And it, for whatever reason, the bigger the decision, the weirder I get, okay? I'm just going to confess that because it gets a little weird when it's a big decision. Um, <laughs> I remember uh, when I was interviewing for the, for the church that brought me here to Tulsa, um, I think we were in a grocery store parking lot, and I saw a uh, License plate for Oklahoma, and I'm like, it's a sign. It's a sign. Oh, come on, you've done it too. I know you have. If it's not a license plate, it's something else, right? Must be a sign. You know, it was really funny how I never saw a license plate for like Florida, Hawaii. You know, you know. I'm just saying, right? I only saw one from Oklahoma, so it's a sign. But we do that kind of thing, don't we? I mean, we we look for some type of cosmic sign to help us make a choice or to find some type of a direction. We, we do this. We do this all the time. And I remember um, a friend of mine making a comment. Uh, if, I'm trying to remember the circumstances, but he says, I would need an audible voice of God in order to leave my job. Well, he's still there, so I'm, you know, I'm guessing that he hasn't heard that audible voice yet. I don't know if he's miserable, happy, or what, but the point is that it was an audible voice of God. That was the criteria that he needed to have certainty. And so you have an audible voice, or, or sometimes you want an angelic appearance. You know, thank you, Mary, Christmas time, right? We would love that. Or the best one is burning bush, right? You know, I'm just on the bush. We'd like one of those. Just to make it clear, I remember saying this on multiple occasions. If, if, if I heard no, I could handle it if I was certain that it came from God. If I had a certain amount, a certain amount of certainty, if that makes sense, I, would, I, would, I could handle a no. No, I couldn't. That's not true. I'd whine and moan about it, right? And we all do that. But the point is, is that you want that level of certainty. You, you want this too, right? I mean, I'm not the only one. Uh, we all do this. I want to talk about that today. And so I'm going to invite you to Exodus chapter 3, a very um, familiar story to you. I'm going to begin in verse 1. I'm going to read through it, and then I'm going to pick it apart so we can uh, see some things out of it. Um, and we're going to talk about the burning bush. I've, I've um, preached on this in the past but I think this is uh, an important for the series that we're starting today. Exodus chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush, 
Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I love this, this just cracks me up. Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. (laughs) Yeah, why the bush does not burn up. (laughs) When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, "Here here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is on holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land of flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people the Israelites, out of Egypt. This is the word of the Lord, and and we believe it. Let me take this kind of in sections. A couple things that I really want you to see out of this. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law. And he led that flock to the far side of the wilderness, or desert, and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire. Okay, we kind of read through this, but what's interesting is that there's a little backstory here. You have to remember this. Moses was raised in Pharaoh's court. You remember the story? He caught him in a reed basket, and Pharaoh's daughter ended up raising this Hebrew child. You know the story, right? So he had every privilege available to him. Education, probably the finest in the world, because at the time... Egypt was the superpower. If we can use that kind of language, it really was. In that area, it was the superpower. And largely because it was able to produce food in times of drought because of the Nile River. And so you've got this locus of education and wealth and power and influence. And that is where Moses was raised with all of that. And then he realizes that he's an Israelite. He ends up killing an Egyptian slave driver. So he's on the backside of the desert. Why? Because he's on the lamb, man. He's on the run because he's wanted for murder. And you thought you had a rough history. But here he is working for his father-in-law, Because at this point, he's got to do something to earn a living because he can't go back to everything he knew because he'd be tried and most likely convicted. And and, um, my guess is that the penalty would be very similar to what he he did. So you're out in the boonies with a group of sheep. Please understand, this is a significant downgrade from the coder pharaoh. Would you agree? Yeah. It's a big deal what's happening here. And he's been there for um, quite some time. So here he is, and he sees this very strange sight. And so he says, oh, I'm going to go check it out. Okay. 
I will go over and see the strange night. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. Now, I'm going to give you a freebie piece of advice. Okay? Here it is. If the Lord calls your name twice, it is a really good idea to say, here I am. Because the truth of the matter is, he isn't calling your name to find you. He knows where you are. The point is, he's looking for a response from you. So if you hear your name twice, that's a clue that God has something in mind for you. Keep that in mind, please. So it's this unusual phenomenon, and the weird bush speaks. By the way, think about that for a moment. Do you really want that kind of sign? How on earth are you going to explain that to somebody else? So, yeah, there was like, um, you know, this bush. and Or how many of you remember, there's a movie a few years ago called L.A. Story with Steve Martin. Do some of you remember this? And he, he pulls up and it's, there's a, a billboard, one of these electronic billboards. Do you remember this? Yeah. And he's just standing there looking at it, right? And it's like talking to him. And I'm like, how do you explain that? I love that because I think that's a modern day burning bush. I think it's a great idea. Wish I would have thought about that earlier. I would have grabbed a clip because I think that's, that's exactly what's going on here. Now, look, in verse 5, do not come any closer. God said, take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is on holy ground. And then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Now, keep this in mind here. Um, the bush that talks, right? So, not that it's just burning up. It's speaking to him which is totally weird, right? So he's got this going on, and, and the bush then says, whoa, whoa, hold up, hold up, hold up. Here's who I am. Believe it or not, there, there is a history that your family has with me. You just, you just don't realize it, and that's okay, but here's who I am. I am that God. And so he hid his face because, you know, that's what you do. That's what you do when you're face to face with a deity, The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them. I have seen the misery. I've heard the crying. I've come down to rescue them. Never, ever doubt that God sees and hears. And don't doubt that he has a rescue on his mind. Never doubt that. It may not be in your timing, but don't doubt that God sees it and he hears it. And then he repeats it. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. I've heard this. I've come down to rescue, but I'm sending you. Do you see that progression? So it's not just, I've come down, I'm going to use you. For whatever reason, God chooses to work through human agency. Which I always find fascinating, because he doesn't need us, but he, he chooses to do that, so he's sending you. Now, there are some of you who are seated here, and you're thinking to yourself, this is why I don't want to talk to God. See, he's sending Moses to Africa. I don't want to go to Africa. That's what I'm afraid of, that God's going to ask me to go to Africa. Did it to Moses, right? <laughs> it's funny. I want to draw your attention to one other thing. 
I think this is important. Back in verse 5. Do not come any closer. God said, take off your sandals, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. It's easy to just kind of blow past that. Because we know that in other parts of the scripture we see this. But here's the thing I want you to recognize. Moses is on the backside of the desert. His only company are sheep. He sees a, a sight that he's never seen before, a bush on fire that doesn't burn up, and when he approaches, <laughs> it talks to him. And he's standing on holy ground, but he doesn't know it. He's standing on, this is a weird thing. He's standing on holy ground and he doesn't know it. The Lord has to tell him to take off his sandals because he's standing on holy ground. He doesn't know. He doesn't know. It was, for all practical purposes, a spectacular event, right? I mean, come on. I mean, we talk about, oh, I'd love a burning bush, but, you know, if that's happening in your backyard, it's going to be a little odd. It's going to be strange. It's a spectacular type of thing. It's a spectacular event, and he didn't know it was holy. Do you see that? Didn't know. It's interesting. People ask Jesus for signs all the time. You know, he'd come in, he'd do some preaching, and the Pharisees in particular are like, well, show us a sign. Jesus is like, I've already shown you some signs. And I show you the signs, and he wanted them to be interested in the source of the signs, not the signs themselves. Does that make sense? It's the same kind of thing that's going on here, is that they were in the presence of something spectacular, God, wrapped in flesh, walking among us, and they were more interested in the signs. The spectacular event. The truth is, we always want another sign, just to be sure. Right? Now, Please understand, you're in good company. It worked out for Gideon pretty well. Remember, he had the, the piece of wool, and if it, were, if it was dry and the ground was wet, then he would know, and then he's like, well, I'm not so sure, so the next day, well, if the wool's wet and the, the ground is dry, then I'll know for sure. By the way, all of that happened after an angel of the Lord called him to this, to this leadership position. So he wanted the signs even after the spectacular, Right? Angel of the Lord shows up, does some, you know, bippity-boppity-boo kind of a thing, and he's still wondering. Spectacular event, still. Anyway. By the way, I've I got to point this out. This is really interesting. Um, Moses didn't know. Jack Deere makes the comment, the clearer the sign, the more difficult the task. Keep that in mind. Why a burning bush? Because Moses was going to need that type of confidence going into what he was about to accomplish. Mary needed an angel of the Lord to show up to her, as did Joseph, because of the difficulty of the task of bearing the Son of God. So, when we get all excited about having burning bushes about what car to buy, <laughs> please understand, the clearer the sign, the more difficult the task. Almost always in the text. As far as I can tell, always. So, in other words, be careful what you ask for. Be careful what you ask for. You know, the question is, do we believe that God still speaks? Well, the answer is, is yes, um, and he does through, through spectacular events. It happens, and we do believe that. 
Um, Pastor Dan makes this comment. He says that the older he gets, that he realizes that, that God actually speaks through ordinary things as well. And, you know, the, probably the best example of this is bread and juice. That's the presence of God. That's what, you know, we, we believe that we're in uh, remembering what he did, but that God is present with us when we take that. I'm sure we're going to have an opportunity to do here in a few minutes, but it's an ordinary thing. I mean, God, Jesus chose common everyday elements like juice and bread in order to convey these ideas. Hmm. And the truth is, when, we, when we're aware of God, we see him in mundane things. There's a great story, I think it's Jeremiah. God tells him to go down to a potter's house. How many of you have watched potter work clay? It's kind of, kind of mesmerizing, right? I mean, it's, it's pretty cool. But the fact of the matter is, is there were some significant theological, God-given truths that occurred as he was simply observing the everyday, ordinary act of a potter's trade. It's important to think of that. And uh, it reminds me too, Jesus is sitting in the temple and he makes um, powerful truth to his disciples when he watches a widow throw two of the smallest coins possible into the offering bucket at church. And he says, look, what she gave is more than what anybody else did. She gave out of her need rather than out of her, than her surplus. How simple was that to watch? Simple thing, ordinary thing. Not spectacular. So maybe there's this other way that we can find clarity. I, I really think that the point isn't about a spectacular sign or an ordinary thing. I really don't think that's the point at all because you know what? The truth of the matter is we miss both. We do. As human beings, we miss both. We miss the spectacular. We're standing on holy ground. We don't know it. And we miss the ordinary things, too. We miss both of them. And I th really think that ultimately the task here is to simply be aware, just to have some awareness. Maybe instead of asking God for that sign, that certainty that we're, we're craving, maybe, just maybe, we should simply ask God to raise our sensitivity and say, oh God, help me to see where you're working. It all starts with his presence. I, I want you to hear that because I think this is important. When, when he is present, there is power. You cannot have one without the other. And the order is, in, is important. The presence of God precedes the power of God. Presence, power, presence, power. Presence is the power in many respects. If we want to do the stuff that we find in the Bible, because remember, my premise here, the one that I'm, I'm chasing after is that I read things in, this, in the scripture and I look at church and I don't see a whole lot of overlap between the two. Some, there is some, don't get me wrong, I'm not, I'm not being completely critical, but all I'm saying is, is that I really want the church to look like the Bible. And so if we want to do the stuff of the Bible, then the only thing that really changes um, between there and then, because people are people and we have certain patterns and we have 
certain foolishness that we bring, we all have it. The only difference is is to chase after the, the presence of God and see what happens. Chase him after the presence. Didn't we talk about that last year? Like every Sunday? Yeah. Presence of God. Um, so we're going to do communion here in just a minute. And um, the way we, we do it um, here is that you, know, you take a piece of the bread and you, you dip it in the juice and then you take it and eat it. And you know what? You can do it back there at the table. You can take it back to your seat. You can go off to the side. It doesn't matter. I want it to be meaningful for you. That's the important thing. But, but as you're taking that and you're remembering what it is that Jesus did, died and resurrected, I want you to, to ask God to dial up your sensitivity. You use your language. Lord, help me to see you. Help me to hear you. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Whatever it happens to be, anything, as you're taking your communion, to simply say, oh God, I just want your presence. Help me to see where you're present. Because here's the thing. We believe in this thing called an omnipresent God. So, the point is, is not that if he's here or not here, because he's here. There are two or more of us who are gathered in his name, but guess what? He's here. But are we aware of it? That becomes the issue. And I think sometimes we get f- um, to, we, we're fearful of praying for other people. And the reason why we're fearful of praying for someone else is because we're not sure that God's going to show up. I think God's already there. He's just waiting for you to acknowledge that fact. Does it make sense? So really the idea is, oh God, show me where you're present. Very often when you see God working, that's your invitation to join him. I would much rather you be in a position where you're going, oh God, turn it off because I see it everywhere, <laughs> right? And back off on this one. But the point is, is that as we are gathered together and he's here, is that I just want you to experience him in some way, even if it's just incremental, that's Okay. So take your opportunity. Communion is about that. Communing with your God. It's not just about eating. Even, the, even though the bread looks delicious, right? You want to make sure as you're dipping it in and have a purpose for it. Just say, oh God, raise my sensitivity. For those of you who are uh, Spinal Tap fans, God, take it up to 11. quicken your grasp of him in your day today. Ask God to help you be more aware moment by moment. And by the way, um, if you want, I will pray for your awareness because I want that for you. I have the sense that God wants us to pray for uh, our sensitivity, for our awareness of him. By the way, um, I'm going to mention this now before I forget, um, but I also have the sense this morning that we're supposed to pray for people, respiratory and ears for some reason. Um, I get the sense that I'm in a picture of an ear this morning, so if you've got a problem with an ear or something, meet me back there and I'll pray for you. Um, so respiratory conditions, we can pray over those ears. That's another one. Um, but also, but just awareness. If you, if you want that, if you just want a little extra boost, I'm, I'm happy to pray with you about that. Um, Jack Deere, the guy that I quoted earlier, uh, also 
made this comment in one of his books. He said, give yourself to the pursuit of awareness and you will see the presence of God in the most mundane of things. I like that. I hope that as I grow and become um, a better disciple of Jesus that I would see him in even those mundane sorts of things. And I hope you do too. I think that's really what this is about. So Dan's going to come up, um, lead us again in uh, some worship, and we're going to take communion together. <clears throat> There's uh, two sides. I think all the bread is gluten-free, right? Uh, so you can go one side or the other. Don't jam up one side. There's two. And uh, I want it to be meaningful for you, but ask God to raise your sensitivity to his presence. In the... Uh, um, tribe that we're a part of um, we have what's called an open table that means that if you're a follower of Jesus this is for you and we want you to be a part of this with us so on the night in which he was betrayed Lord Jesus looked down at the table and he found bread so so common he gave thanks he broke it and he passed it to his disciples Basically, what he was saying, this is my body broken for you, even though they didn't understand that. And it was broken because eventually he would be resurrected and he would be present with us through his Holy Spirit. He's able to actually multiply what he was doing. And then after the supper, Jesus looked down and there was a cup. He had wine in it, juice. And after he'd given thanks, he passed it to his disciples. Take and drink, this is my blood poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Of course, they didn't understand. And body was broken, blood was shed. Why? Because he would eventually resurrect and be present with us through his Holy Spirit. And his presence is, is his power. And if you don't believe that, look up Acts chapter 2 and whammo, things started happening because he was present with his disciples. So let's take the opportunity to dial up our awareness a little bit more.